0: The following audio content is a talk given at The Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. My name is Taylor Dunlap, as you just heard, and some of you may know me, others of you may not. So for those of you that don't know me, I made a list, an exhaustive list, of all the things that I love. This is everything, all right? My favorite color is brown. I like running, jumping, skiing, sprinting, high-fiving, skiing, wakeboarding, hunting, fishing, soccer, football, trees, animals, cracking knuckles, hardcore parkouring, priest lake, Christmas lights, snow, nature, nature, secret handshakes. Mountains, Friends, Coffee, Herkimer, Sarcasm, Red Bull, McDonald's, Eggman, Muffins, Spokane, my orange chucker hat, flannels, sweating, and beanies. So for those of you that know me, you're like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much Taylor in a nutshell right there. For those of you that don't, now you know me. Um, also, my voice cracks sometimes when I speak. Maybe when I get nervous. I don't know. It might crack tonight. It just means that I'm still going through puberty. So you know, by the end of this all, I'm going to be like six foot five, probably. <laughs> and I'll have a really deep voice, hopefully, cross your fingers. Um, this right here, you can see, uh, on the left there, that's me and my sister. We're very cute right there. No longer. Um, she goes to UW here. She's a sophomore, Kappa. She has blessed us with her presence tonight. She's here somewhere in this crowd. Right up there on the upper right, that's my dad and my four-year-old sister, Claire. And she is a feisty redhead, much like myself. And then down in the bottom right here, that is my mom, who's also in the back, uh, my mom and my sister down at Pike's Place Market. Uh, You can go ahead and go to the next slide there. Yes. Okay. here we go. So my family actually just got exponentially bigger. And my mom got remarried this summer to a guy named Drew. Awesome dude. He's in the back there. You can go meet him, say hi. He loves to talk. He'll love to talk to you. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Uh, right here we've got, in the upper left, it's kind of hard to see. That's Kelly, Ryan, Elise, me, and then Bridget. And Kelly looks sad. Uh, Ryan looks like Ryan. He's a great guy. And then Bridget over there, she's just a clown. Uh, but we gave that picture to uh, both Drew and my mom when they got married this past summer. It's a really good gift, but couldn't get the photo quite right. And then right here in the bottom, uh, me and my sister Elise and then my sister Claire. And we're all doing something. I don't know what we're doing there. But uh, tonight, I want to tell you guys a little story. Uh, this is a story. Um, <laughs> why don't I just jump right into it? Uh, who has a fear of public speaking? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, me too. I am among you right there. Did you know that public speaking is the number one fear in all of America? It's called glossophobia. Don't ask me why. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Uh, But that's ahead of fear of spiders, arachnophobia, necrophobia, fear of death. People fear uh, public speaking more than they fear death. It's pretty crazy. (laughs) I am deathly afraid of public speaking. Um... (laughs) But coming into uh, uh, my sophomore year, I was asked to uh, give announcements here at the inn. And I was like, nope, nope, not going to do that. Not a chance. Uh, you couldn't catch me up here. Uh, but they convinced me to do it. And I remember standing in the back and, and like got done with the songs, you know, counting down the songs. Oh my gosh, this is about to happen. My heart's like freaking pounding right here. And, uh, and I'm walking up to the front, can't remember what's going on. I look out at the crowd, and it's all black. It's just like my, I'm sweating. My face was as red as my hair. I looked like a tomato, um, and uh, and I remember I remember what I was supposed to announce. It was a uh, flannel pancake feed, and I got up there and I was like, uh, "Wear your flannels, pancake for pancakes feed this Thursday. Um, wear your flannels; it's going to be a good blast." Um, <laughs> and. <laughs> don't remember anything else, but as, as I was walking off the stage, uh, somebody told me beforehand when I was being prepped on what to say and stuff, somebody was like, don't call them announcements, call them opportunities, and so as I was walking off stage, I was already like halfway off, and, and then I remembered, oh, opportunities, and I was like, so many opportunities here at the end, <laughs> and like ran off, ran off the stage. I laid down in the back, sprawled out. I was like, How do Ryan and Janie do this? Like, dripping with sweat in my flannel. And, uh, <laughs> and everybody's like, Hey, dude, nice job. Great, you know, nice job tonight. I'm like, What are you talking about? Did you see me up there? That was horrible. That was absolutely horrible. Uh, and then I, and then I see Ryan Church and Chris Thurton in the back, and they're actually cracking up at me. They're laughing. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> And I kind of, I laughed at myself too. That allowed me to laugh at myself. Uh, so that was good. That was good. But the reason I say, tell this story is because uh, public speaking was and kind of still is one of my, my biggest fears, but that fear was rooted in something deeper. It was rooted in a, in a, a weakness, I would say, a weakness in my, in my person, in my deep inside of me. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about how. Letting God into our lives in the midst of our weaknesses gives us strength. Um, Before we do that, uh, why don't we go ahead and pray? God, first of all, I just thank you. I thank you for Thanksgiving coming up and uh, that we'll get a feast and we'll get to take a break from school and the stress of school and kind of prepare mentally for. For the next couple of weeks, the finals coming up, I thank you for the, the misty day outside today. And I pray that it's snowing in the mountains. <laughs> I pray that you will calm my heart right now and that we can become aware of your presence that is right here with us. Open our hearts, God. Amen. So uh, before we jump into my section, 2 Corinthians, not my section, um, 2 Corinthians, uh, let's give a little bit of background as to what exactly is going on here at this time. So last week, Ryan talked about how uh, Corinth was this city, fairly new city, um, but it was big on, in order to, to be anybody, you had to essentially construct a building in honor of yourself and then name it after yourself. It was a big on... Um, on your resume, what did you do? And, you, and then you go and boast about that to get recognition. But Ryan talked about how, on the other hand, Paul, who's writing this letter, who writes 2 Corinthians, um, Paul talks about how instead of boasting in our accomplishments, we need to boast in other people. Boast in other people's accomplishments and boast in God. And... Um, Ryan, hit on the dichotomy between the world's standards and God's standards that exist in society. And I think this is an issue that we have today. We're very much resume-based. What have you done? What are you doing? Um, and that passage that he talked about last week applies very directly this week. The Church of Corinth, this church that Paul created a couple years back, um, they're being caught up in this... In this uh, movement of, what have you done? It's filled with people that are really good speakers. They're good orators. They've done a laundry list of things uh, to kind of prove themselves. And that's what they admire. And Paul's like, no, no, no. We're a little bit off track here. Um, And they look at Paul, and they're like, who is this guy? You know, Paul wasn't that great of a speaker. Who is he? What has he done? What does he have to show for himself? And so coming into... The section that that I'm about to read, um, Paul lists off all these things that he's done. He's like, man, I have been through so much. I have suffered for the Lord. I've been shipwrecked three times. I've been bitten by a snake. I have abandoned uh, my personal desires um, in order to go travel and live a life traveling and starting these churches. And we pick up here uh, in chapter 12. You can go ahead and put it up. Um, Before we read it, uh, he's talking about a revelation that he had. Um, But he talks about it in the third person so that he doesn't draw attention to himself, but so that he can kind of deflect that and say, hey, it's not about what I've done. So he talks in the third person. He says, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained, I'll go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who, 14 years ago, was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I'll boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. So essentially, what he's doing here is he's recounting this experience that he had in the third person to de- deflect this attention off of himself. And he's saying, I, I had this crazy experience. I don't know whether I was taking up, whether I, my physical body was taken up to heaven or whether it was a vision that I had. And when it says the third heaven there, that kind of, when I first read that, I was like, what is the third heaven? Um, but what it, what it was was back then, they, they referred to the first heaven as kind of our earth and our atmosphere. They refer to the second heaven as the, the stars and the moon and the planets and all that. There you go, voice crack right there. <laughs> and then they refer to the third heaven as the heaven that we think about today, like the real heaven. And, um, and so he ha- he's explaining this crazy experience that he had. But he says, you know what? I will, not boast. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. And then I really like this part. He then goes on to say, uh, (laughs) he's kind of like, even if I was going to boast, hey, like everything I'd be telling you is straight facts. You know, I'm not boasting. I'm not trying to build myself up. This is facts. These are actually things that have happened to me. And I kind of like that because he's like, hey, listen, I've been through all this stuff and I'm not trying to build myself up. This is real. Like I've been through some stuff, you know, (laughs) but uh... (laughs) yeah. What does boasting look like today for us here at college, here at UW? You know, I think we, we're smart enough here at UW or SPU, sorry. Um, I think we're smart enough to where, like, somebody who talks about themselves all the time, we're kind of like, okay, you know, yeah, we get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we, we don't do that as much. But I think we do have this way of, of backdoor boasting. It's like, you know, you just took a test and you're like, dude, man, that test was like super tough, man. How'd you do? How'd you, how'd you, what score did you get? Yeah, man, I don't know. I got like a, like a 73, like average. I don't know. How'd you do? Oh, man, that's a bummer. What'd you get on this problem number five there? Because that's the only one I got wrong, and I cannot figure out how I did it wrong, you know? <laughs> man, if you want to study with me next time, I could help you out with some stuff, dude. You know, like, like I hear that all the time, like comparing answers, you know, what'd you get? Which is good in a sense, but also can be a way of backdoor boasting, you know? Or maybe, uh, maybe it's like Tinder, you know? Oh my gosh, I've matched with like 50 dudes this week. What is going on? Gosh, and they keep on messaging me. Gosh, this is so annoying. I wish they would just stop, just stop. <laughs> like seriously, stop, 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 stop. stop. You know, what should I say to him? (laughs) So annoying. (laughs) Uh, Or maybe another one, you know, like, no, dude, dude, man, I cannot hang out tonight. I'm swamped. I got Oakim Lab, and then I got to study. I got this test coming up, you know. And then I've got, uh, oh, I'm the president of this club, so I've got to plan some stuff for that. You know, I'm just super busy with all the things. Maybe I'll go to the inn later tonight, you know, and get up my spiritual level or something like that. You know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if, I, you know, I'm going to have I don't even know if I'll have time to study, man, much less hang out. You know, that's boasting about how busy we are, our schedules. And I, I do that a lot. I know I do. But uh, let's read on to the second half uh, of the verse. <laughs> there it is again. <laughs> second half of the verse. This is really like the meat of our text, I'd say. After Paul explains these um, these crazy things that have happened to him, after he said like, hey, I can play your game. I can play by your rules. I can list off my the things that I've done, the things that I've suffered for the Lord. Then he says, I'm not going to boast about that. Let's read it off here. He says... That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses in insults in hardships in persecutions in difficulties For when I am weak then I am strong Paul saying I'm not going to boast about the things that I've done I'm going to boast about the things that make me weak It's a little bit backwards for me, uh, one of my thorns, one of my most obvious thorns, was um, sophomore year, sophomore year here at UW. Um, in college, coming into college, I thought I wanted to do engineering. And I was taking all the prereqs. You know, I, was, I thought I was good at math, um, and so I was taking those prereqs. And by sophomore year, I was looking at everybody else, and, and everybody else is doing really well. And I'm studying my head off. I'm like trying to understand this, but it's just not clicking. I'm not getting it. And I look at the guy next to me, you know, he he gets his test back. It's like a 90. And I look at mine, it's like a 70. Like, man, what's wrong? You know, I studied. I thought I studied. I thought I knew this. And so, uh, I was like, maybe, maybe engineering's not for me. I'm going to switch majors. But what was I switching into? I didn't know. What was I good at? I thought I was good at math, but apparently not. I didn't quite measure up to everybody else. What was I passionate about? Uh, the only thing I could be sure of was that I didn't know what I wanted to be do or what I wanted to do. And I think a lot of us here are in that same boat. You know, wh- where am I supposed to go? What, what major am I supposed to choose? What do I want my job to be? At the same time, I was living in a fraternity here on campus, Fiji, and uh, I loved the guys, loved the house. But sophomore year, I felt like nobody really knew me. And, you know, I I get back, get back from class, you know, go into a room and just to hang out and just be myself. And I couldn't, I don't know why, but I couldn't just goof around and be one of the guys. I didn't click there either. And so I started to look around at everybody else and I started to compare myself. You know, like, man, this guy in my house, he's, he's got so many friends. Like, everybody likes him. He's funny. He's smart. You know, I'm not either of those. Started to look around and be like, man, you know, like, this guy's got it all together. He's got an internship. He's doing well. He knows what he wants to do. I even compared my faith, you know, looking at people here, like, gosh, this guy's got it all together like i'm falling apart you know I, as i was walking back from class one day i remember thinking like like man like this mist this cold like this is a, like a metaphor for how i feel dark cold wet lonely insecure unsure of myself unconfident in my abilities And so when it was my time to get up and give announcements sophomore year at the end, I didn't believe in myself. The people here believed in me. People here are like, yeah, man, this is going to be great. You can do this, you know. But I didn't believe in myself. I would probably just, you know, get sweaty palms, get nervous, turn bright red, and stutter. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. And I prayed Over and over and over, God, take this away from me. I don't want to feel insecure. Help me to figure out what I'm supposed to do. God, just give it to me. I'm tired of doubting myself. I'm tired of not feeling smart enough or funny enough or one of the guys. These were thorns sticking in me. Coming back here to Paul's thorn, um, scholars debate as to what exactly the thorn was. Some think that it might have been a physical ailment, like maybe some think that he might have been partially blind. Others think that he suffered from epileptic attacks. Others think that uh, it might have been more of a mental or emotional thorn, something like depression. But I think that Paul doesn't specify his thorn for a reason. I think that uh, maybe at the time, it might have been obvious what his thorn was, but I think that when he was writing this, he allows us to insert our own thorns into this situation. He leaves it blank so that we can put our thorns into this context, because we all have thorns. We all do. We all have things that break us down and make us feel weak and insecure. These might be things like, like family issues where uh, your parents just got divorced and you have to decide what house to go to for Thanksgiving. And either way, one of your parents is going to be sad or upset or disappointed. That's a thorn. Maybe you're struggling with things like anxiety, or depression. Those are real thorns. Maybe it's something like a speech impediment or anorexia, an eating disorder. I don't know what your thorn is, but I think you do. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's like a knee problem that it just won't go away. And no matter how bad you want it to leave, you just can't go on a run. You can't do it, and you're like, why? Or maybe like me, it's your self-worth. Like, man, I'm just looking at everybody else, and I just don't add up. You didn't get the scores that you need to get into your major, or to get into the grad school that you wanted, or to get into grad school at all. You know, Paul asks over and over and over, God, take this thorn away from me. God, take it away. Why won't this back issue just go away? Help me with my depression, God, take it away. It hurts. I'm tired of dealing with it. Asking God to take our pain away. That's what we want. And you know what? So often I forget that that Jesus was human too. He was completely human and completely God. He, he knew what was coming for him when he was about to die on the cross. He knew that he was going to have to suffer an agonizing, painful death. And so what did he do? He did what any of us here in this room would do. He said, God, God, take this away. He says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup away from me yet not what I will, but what you will. The cup is his suffering. He says, God, take it away. And he says, God, not what I will, not what I want, but what you want. Notice what he does there. He says, it's not up to me, it's up to you. He points to God. And you know how God responds? He doesn't say, your wish is granted, like I want him to. I want him to just take it away. Your wish is granted. like, Man, that would be great. No, what he says is he says, my grace is sufficient for you. Um, in Greek, the word sufficient uh, means earth. Er, the Greek word for sufficient is archeo, which means unfailing strength. It says, my, my grace has unfailing strength for you. So instead of removing the thorn, God says, no, what you need is you need more of me. My grace is enough. My grace is unfailing no matter what the circumstances are. And when Jesus died on the cross, he took all of our brokenness. He took all of our weakness, all the ways that we feel insecure. He took all our persecutions with him. And they died with him. And then the best part is that they couldn't hold him down, though. He rose again in three days. He conquered death. Those stayed there, but he rose. God's grace is unfailing. He conquered death. He's good at redeeming us, He's good at redeeming the broken and healing our wounds. Where we feel weak, He's good at making that strong. So, what does this mean for us? It means that when we put our hope in Christ, we can be redeemed in the midst of what we're going through. He might not just take it away, but we can be redeemed right there in it. Yes, I'm going through this hard time right now. I'm dealing with some issues. I feel weak. I feel beaten down. Those are real feelings, those are real emotions. You can't deny those. But you know what? God is redeeming that right now too. And that's where Paul says, I can rejoice. I can delight because yes, I am broken, but this gives God an opportunity to step in and take over. You know, I feel, I feel tense. My anxiety is high, but that's not going to drag me down because my hope does not lie in my own abilities to claw my way out. My hope lies in God, and he's already beat it. And it doesn't mean that all our problems are just going to go away. He never says, I'm just going to take away all your problems. I think a common misconception is, uh, yeah, in today's culture is that uh, when, when we accept God, then he's just going to take away all our problems, and every, everything's going to be smooth sailing from there on out. You know, like if you you are still feeling weighed down after you've accepted Christ, then clearly you're not praying enough, or clearly you're doing something wrong, or you don't have enough faith. No, no, that's not right. God's here to help us through those times. He's here to build us up through those times. He's not going to take it away. In fact, he says, you know what? Things are not going to go away. Things might even get harder. But you know what? I'm here to help you. I can tell you from my own experience that my feelings of of being so unsure of myself and and my self-worth being down in the gutters, that did not just go away. And I prayed over and over, God, just take it away. Take it away. But you know what? He put people in my life, some people here in this room today, that continually spoke truth, spoke into my strengths. And although I did not feel it, um, they saw me uh, for what I was worth. And if you would have told me uh, sophomore year that I was going to get up here and give a sermon to like 100 students or however many are here, I'd have been like, no, 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 no. You need to go see somebody because (laughs) that's not me. (laughs) Slowly, I've learned to lean on God a little bit more. And you know what? Without Him, I could not be up here. I'm not perfect at it. In fact, I still, I mean, obviously, I'm nervous up here. But you know what? I'm up here. and it was kind of funny the other day when i was uh when i was preparing for this talk uh i was i hit a writer's block and i'm not a very good writer i wouldn't say and uh and so i was sitting at my computer like scrolling through i love skiing and so i was scrolling through evo gear and looking at all the ski gear and i was like dang that's sick you know and then i realized <laughs> man i just want to be out there you know but and so I got up and I was like, oh, I'm not doing anything here. And so I got up, I started walking around and, and wandered into my friend's room and he wasn't there, but his room, his room could literally be on Pinterest because of how like perfectly decorated and like manly. It's like, oh gosh, it's crazy. <laughs> he, his room is the definition of lumber sexual, okay? <laughs> so anyways... I walk in there. <laughs> I walk in there, and, and I'm admiring his room, and and I go over and and I read this this quote that's on the wall, and uh, so I was like, "Huh, that's cool," and uh, and then I walk back, you know, continue to cruise through. Uh, watching ski videos and stuff. I'm like, man, I should really, it's like one o'clock. I should get working on my talk here. And, uh, and I was like, man, I can't think of anything. And then it just hit me. I was like, boom. The quote that I read, I'm going to read to you right now. And, uh, and I was like, this is, what, this is what I need right here. It says, uh, it feels as though God has called me to do what I cannot do. Because it is not at all about what I can do, but all about what he can do. Maybe it is for that reason that God could actually give us more than we can handle. Because if we were only given what we could handle, we would never learn dependence. And, uh, and when I read that, I was like, man, like, you know what? These, these trials, he's given me more than I can handle. I feel incredibly weak right now. But you know what? The, I'm learning how to depend on him. I think that, that turning to God and looking to Him is a process. You know, it's not just like a one day thing like, God, you know, come come help me. No, it's every day waking up, every day turning to Him in the midst of our storm, in the midst of our thorns. Our weaknesses, they give us an opportunity to let Him be our strengths. So Paul says, you know what? I'm going to boast in my weaknesses. I don't know if I'm there yet. (laughs) I don't think so. But Paul is. Paul's like, hey, this weakness, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for me to lean on God. This is an opportunity for me to learn to depend on him. And things might not get easier. In fact, things might get harder. But you know what? He is my strength. Our weaknesses, our trials, are just opportunities in disguise. Will you guys please bow your heads and pray with me? God, thank you that you are strong when we are not and that you heal our wounds and you redeem us. Thank you that that Jesus bore on all our weaknesses, all our Persecutions, all our insecurities, and when he died, those died with him. And God, most of all, thank you that he raised again from the dead. Thank you that your grace is unfailing and that you have unfailing strength when we are not strong. Amen.